Hear the word of the Lord from John 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Happy Easter. <laughs> if we're old enough, most of us all remember exactly what we were doing when we heard the news on 9-11-2001. I was driving my daughter and her friend to junior high that morning when I first heard the news. The planes hitting the World Trade Center. It shook our world. This was a huge event. But gradually over time, our lives basically returned to business as usual for most of us. Oh, there were those in the military who were off fighting terrorists, and, and we've all had to face longer Lines in the airport, right? Security lines. But overall, other than maybe a little bit of insecurity in our world, over time, life has returned basically to normal. Today, we're celebrating the resurrection. 
There's that traditional saying, He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. You know, that statement you just made is one of the most incredible declarations of faith ever made in history. He is risen indeed. Jesus rose from the dead. It changed history. He became alive at that point. Conquered death. Defeated sin. It was awesome. In our passage today that you just heard, Peter and the disciples have seen the risen Christ at least a couple of times. They know he's alive, and it was an earth-shaking event. It was incredible. Jesus is alive. But the question is, now what? Now what? I want to remind you of what went on for Peter. As just a few days before, he had promised Jesus that he would be willing to die for him. Jesus said to them, you'll all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, but after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Peter had said that and then had denied his Lord that very night three times. So Jesus may be alive, but Peter's still sitting in his guilt and his shame and realizing, well, Jesus may be alive, but but I'm kind of not so good at this Christianity stuff. (laughs) So there's a question about what is next. Do they just return to business as usual? Do they go back to their old life? It's been three good years with Jesus, but it's over. Since Jesus is risen from the dead, now what? And so as the risen Jesus meets Peter and these other disciples on the beach on the Sea of Galilee, he reveals himself to them in a way that changed their lives forever. They became passionate followers of him in a way that caused them to even give up their lives for him. And I believe as we look through this passage, it can encourage us that we can, in a deeper way maybe than ever before, for those who know him and those who don't, we too can be passionate followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, as we look together at this passage and think about Peter and think about ourselves in relationship to Peter, may may your spirit open our eyes to what it means that you are risen that you are alive today. In Jesus' name, amen. The passage begins by saying, after this, these other things, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias or Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. So everything about this passage is Jesus revealing himself. Now the disciples walked with him for three and a half years, but they had missed some things that they needed to know about Jesus that hadn't quite entered their hearts. So what is it that we need to know about the risen Jesus to really live passionately for him? We'll go on to find out. And this passage goes on, talks about the seven disciples. They're there with him in verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, well, 
I guess we'll come too. (laughs) You see, they don't seem to know what to do. They've seen the risen Christ. He's alive. But Peter, in his guilt, Peter, in his confusion, says, well, I know one thing I know how to do. I know one thing I've done all my life, and that's fish. So you know what? I'm going to go back to business as usual. I'm going to go back to what I know to do. And so Peter, the fisherman, takes his buddy fishing. (laughs) This Easter morning, I want to highlight three words that I think describe a central part of the longing of every human heart. As I've seen over nearly 40 years of pastoral counseling, as psychologists describe what they've seen in the human heart, and as we talk about these three words and highlight those, we will highlight who the risen Christ is that meets those very longings for every one of us, for Peter and for us as well. The first word I want to talk about is security. Security. All of us want a sense of security, don't we? It's built into us. We, we want somewhere to feel safe. We, we want some way, something, or someone we can trust in to handle whatever comes our way. Just take a moment in your own heart, in your own mind, and think for a minute, what is it that you tend to go to to find security? What makes you feel safe in life? For some of us, we look to the government. If the government's doing okay and we feel confident about it, that gives us a sense of security and safety in life. For some, it's money. If I just have enough in the bank, if I just have enough in my pocket, then I'm okay, I'll make it through, I'll be all right. An adequate retirement fund, or maybe the mass of our possessions, if I just have enough stuff, then I feel secure, I feel okay. Or maybe it's some kind of political leader we look to, another person, a celebrity, a spouse, maybe our own child. As long as they're okay, we're okay. Maybe it's a successful career. Maybe it's fishing. (laughs) Whatever it might be that we look to for security, for comfort, for this is our life, uh, we all have things we look to. The problem is all of those that we've talked about will disappoint in the end. They will let us down and they'll end up leaving us feeling insecure and fearful because they're really like, they just don't hold water. They're, they're like a tank of water that you try to drink from and, and you may get some water for a while, but then there's a hole in it and it drains out and it's empty and in the end it will not satisfy. So what does Jesus reveal to Peter in this passage that allows him to understand that there's real security in him? Well, it's a wonderful scene here as they're fishing and Jesus is standing on the side and they fished all night and they caught nothing, and they're frustrated, and they, they don't know what to do. They, they're coming in, and he says, oh, by the way, <laughs> I know you guys are fishermen. You know the lake. You know all that, but throw your net on the right side of the boat. And they had to be thinking, what does this guy know? They didn't recognize him as Jesus, and he calls them children. <laughs> hey, kids. <laughs> Cast your net, and they do, and they catch more than where the net is so full they can't even pull it 
in. What is, what is Jesus revealing to Peter at that point? I think he's revealing that he's showing himself to Peter in a way that he is still alive and that he is the God that he can trust in. He shows Peter and us that he's a living God, that no matter what area of life you think you're looking to for security, he can be God over it. He is a God to trust in. Peter thought he knew fishing. And Jesus said, I can be Lord even of that. Even what you think you're good at, you can trust in me. I'm a living God who is Lord over your work, over your parenting, over your home, over your money. I am your security. I love reading the Psalms because David has learned that over time as he struggled to trust God and he's trusted in other things. But in the Psalms, he used so many wonderful analogies of what it means to trust God as he calls God his rock. God, you are my fortress. God, you are my stronghold. David has learned that God is faithful and he is a God we can trust in for everything. He's learned to trust in God. You see, only the risen Christ... This is what he's trying to teach Peter and us. Only the risen Christ is big enough and strong enough and God enough to be our security in the midst of an insecure and difficult world. He is all that the human heart longs for in security. So what does Jesus reveal about himself to Peter and to us? He is a living God that we can trust in for the security we need. Second word. I want to look at this morning is love. <laughs> Not surprising, right? We all know that we long for love. There isn't a single one of us that doesn't long to be loved in a way, that doesn't long to be seen for all that we are in all our struggles and failings and the messiness and yet still be wanted, still be loved. We're driven to try to find that kind of love, but we're driven to look in too often all the wrong places. We get into relationships and we end up hurting one another in our quest for the kind of love we all sense we need deep inside, but we just can't stop ourselves because we long for a perfect kind of love and no other person can give that, that kind of love where we're fully known and yet still wanted and where we can love in return and let it be mutual love. Well, in this Scene. What is Jesus revealing to Peter and to us about love? Is this scene on the beach, verses 9 through 14, they come to land and Jesus has prepared a fire for them and on the fire he's prepared a breakfast that he's laid out for them, fish and bread. So they come in and Jesus carefully gives them bread, gives them fish, gives them food, in this intimate scene, he cares for them by making them breakfast, caring for their needs. And in the Middle East in particular, a meal was the most intimate setting you could have with others. And he provides that kind of intimate meal as if to say, I want relationship with you, Peter. Yeah, you've blown it. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. I want relationship with you. I want to love you 
I want you to know what it means to love me. And as he hands that bread and that fish to them, it must have reminded them of a meal they'd had with Jesus just a few nights before, that Passover meal in the upper room where he'd handed them bread and the cup. And he said these words about love in John chapter 15, where he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. As the Father has loved me, he said, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And those words, I think, came to mind for Peter and these disciples. We tend to think that the very height of love, the apex of love, is romantic love. Our culture keeps telling us that. Some kind of romantic love, that's that's where your heart will be satisfied. And yet, Jesus is telling us there's a higher form of love, higher than romantic love, that can truly meet the needs of our heart and the longings of our heart, and it's an intimate relationship with Him. He is the love we all long for. Our hearts have God-shaped vacuums, as Pascal said, that nothing can fill except God Himself, an intimacy, a closeness to Him where we have a meal with him, we live life with him, and we learn to love him and accept his love for us. He's that kind of Lord that can be all that we need in love. He's a Lord to love. That's what he's communicating to Peter, and that's what he's communicating to us. Third word I want to look at this morning is purpose. Purpose. You see, we all need a sense of purpose in life, don't we? That's another part of our hearts. We long to have some sense of value that I'm making a difference in my world. And often we begin life early in life and we, we're idealistic, we're excited about impacting this world, making a difference for the world, and we want to do that, and it's a wonderful thing, but many of us end up disillusioned by a world that seems so unresponsive so messy, and we feel so helpless and powerless to really make a difference. And so what happens is many of us end up with no greater purpose than to just find a little happiness, just somehow find a way to just feel okay about life, have a few moments of feeling great, but mostly just surviving in life and So we may as well just go fishing. But in this scene that I'm going to read for you now, Jesus shows Peter a kind of purpose that can make a difference in his life and did make a difference in his life forever. Verse 15 says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, there's an interplay here that we don't see in English because... The word for love, there's two different words in the Greek, but they're just translated love in the English. So I'm going to translate one. Do you love me enough to die for me? Agape. 
Do you love me enough to die for me? Agape. The second word is phileo. Do you love me as a friend or as a brother? Two different qualities of love. Do you love me enough to die for me or do you love me as a friend or as a brother? So Jesus says to Simon now, knowing Simon's heart, knowing he feels like a failure, a complete failure as a Christian following Jesus. He blew it. He denied him. He's struggling. And Jesus says this, Simon, son of John, do you love me enough to die for me? Do you agape me? Do you love me more than these? Peter's response is very insightful. He says to him, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a friend. (laughs) Jesus had said, do you love me enough to die for me? Peter is saying, well, you know I love you as a friend. You know, we read in Mark 14, he had said, I'll love you enough to die for you. But now he knows that he blew it. All he can say is, I love you as a friend. So Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me enough to die for me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you as a friend. That's all I can say. I can't say more than that. I put my foot in my mouth too many times. (laughs) So Jesus says, tend my sheep. Peter was it says, um, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, now, Jesus says, do you love me as a friend even, Peter? Do you phileo me? And Peter says, it says, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me as a friend? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that's all I can say. You know I love you as a friend. And Jesus says, Feed my sheep. Peter had denied Jesus three times, and now three times Jesus says, yeah, I know you've blown it. I know you don't have what it takes to commit everything and follow me. I know you failed at this Christian thing, but you know what? All you need is my friendship. If you have friendship with me, I can use you to tend my sheep, feed my lambs, I can use you to make a difference in the world. I can give you a purpose in my kingdom to make a difference forever in this world. It's an incredible, intimate, wonderful scene as Peter's failed and yet Jesus restores him and shows him that he has a purpose for him. He essentially is saying, Peter, I know you don't have a lot to bring me except your failure. But he's saying to Peter and to every one of us in this room this morning, he's saying, you know what? Friendship with me is enough for you to have a purpose in my kingdom to change the world forever. Peter, you have a purpose to live for. And I am a living shepherd to follow. I am alive. I'm risen from the dead. So follow me. See, these three words describe the longing, I believe, of every human heart. Every one of us long for security, a person to trust in. We long for and need love. We need someone who can see us for all that we are and love us as we are and that we can love in return. And we desperately need a purpose, a reason to keep going in life beyond just a little bit of selfish happiness. And Jesus, the risen Christ, the one who 
got out of that grave was, and rose again is alive today and he shows himself to be a living God we can trust in for security. A living Lord who loves us and will care for us and wants us love friendship, love relationship with him. And he's a purpose for living. And he offers to that in all our weakness and all our failure. So Jesus says at the end of this passage, verse 19, he says, after saying this, he said to him, follow me, Peter. Follow me, I see what you are, but I love you and I want to be all these things to you, so follow me. And I believe that's what he's saying to you and to me this morning. He's saying, I want to be all this to you, the very longings of your heart. I can meet if you will come to me, if you will follow me. I want to be your God, your Lord, your shepherd. I want to be your security, your love, your purpose for living. So the question for every one of us today in this room is, sure, the resurrection is an amazing, true story. It happened. Jesus rose from the grave. Fabulous. But after you walk out of this room this morning, will you go back to business as usual? Will you just go fishing? (laughs) Or are you ready to find out how he wants to be your security and your love and your purpose? You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, he offers a whole different kind of life, a different quality of life, an opportunity to be living this life where we walk in relationship with him as our God, as our Lord, as our shepherd, and experience the fullness of his life. Jesus died on the cross to take away your sin and mine. And he rose again to prove again that he had conquered death forever and to prove that he can be all that your heart longs for. So today, you and I have a choice. A choice to give our lives to him, to let him be our God, our Lord, our shepherd, and he's calling you. He's calling you to follow him. Do you hear his voice this morning? I'm going to pray, but as I pray, I want to ask the elders and the pastoral staff that are here to come forward and be available up here. And... I want to encourage you that if God is tugging on your heart this morning, really for any reason that you, maybe you just need something to pray for. You need somebody to pray with about something that God is tugging in your heart about this morning. Maybe you have questions and maybe you're not ready to commit your life to Jesus and follow him with your whole life, but maybe you realize that you have questions and you just need to talk to somebody, then come forward. If you feel like God's calling you to a deeper commitment than you've made in the past, then come forward. Or if you feel like you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and follow him and let him be your shepherd, be all that your heart longs for, then just come forward and we would love to pray with you and for you this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you that you are alive. You've risen from the dead and you reign in heaven and on earth and you long to be our personal God that we trust in. 
our Lord that we learn to love and have a love relationship with and, and our shepherd that we follow, giving us a purpose to tend your lambs and to fulfill our calling in this world. Lord, you're calling, you're speaking to each one of us to follow you. May we do so. May we know you for all that you are. And when we leave this room this morning, may we walk with you in a way that fulfills what you have created us for, a deep and powerful and intimate, life-changing relationship with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.